You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's C Sparky, 5 or 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, and really seasonably warm Milwaukee, Wisconsin from over the weekend, gentlemen. It was uh, it was real nice. Up to 50 degrees or so on Sunday. It was it was real nice. Uh, Phil Brylow, $2 Phil on your screen. Uh, also, you could follow him uh, on Twitter at uh, Bruce City Bowling. Dwight Albright, uh, of course, uh, with the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. That's why we call it the Spare Time Bowling Show. Follow him on Twitter at Dewey300. Uh, got a PBA tournament to talk about. However, it was not on TV, you see. Uh, it was the PBA Springfield Classic. Uh, Phil, clue us in here a little bit uh, about why uh, they're they're still doing tournaments, yes, but they're not all on TV. Uh, and as far as kind of the draw, as far as PBA bowlers, are they having the same type of draw with these top-flight PBA bowlers with these non-televised TV events? Because you, know, you look at golf, uh, and Tiger Woods isn't playing every tournament. A lot of these guys aren't playing every tournament. They're picking and choosing the bigger ones uh, to play versus going out and playing every weekend. Yeah, a lot of them right now, they're entering tournament after tournament. Uh, Springfield, you name pretty much everybody but Sean Rash in the top 50, and Rash with his back injury, he was getting treatment for that. Everybody was there. So there weren't too many holdouts. Uh, the prize funds are really good, though. Each one of those tournaments thirty is uh, $25,000 for first. Nice. And sixteen for second. So it's a nice payday for everybody. Uh, even the last guy to cash just walks away with three grand, so you're covering your expenses and more for the week then. And it's, it, it, I don't see too much fall off on the player side of things. The give and take with that is the number of fans that are exposed to seeing the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's the tough part because how many people are kicking 120 bucks a year for bowl TV? I, right. I guarantee you they probably didn't have more than four or 5,000 people watching the finals live on even taped within a day between Saturday's finals yeah, and, then, I don't, and then Sunday you know, afternoon. It's interesting. So, and I, I don't know the financials on the PBA tour and good or not or whatever else, but I really am kind of surprised that, and maybe they will at some point, why they don't just take it over and have their own production kind of in-house that they kind of operate, right? I mean, and again, they're not the Packers or whatever, but you know, the Packers have their own production video crew. They do all their own stuff now, uh, right there at Lambeau, all their own. They have their own reporters, Wes Hockowitz and those, and, uh, and those guys, uh, and they do a great, uh, great job. At some point, I would think the PBA would determine that, okay, wh- what are we doing here? Why why wouldn't we just do this ourselves and make it a part of the PBA membership or whatever the case may be, right? So uh, if you sign up to be uh, a, a, have a PBA membership or whatever else, part of it is 
you get access to all Great of these idea. live streaming videos, yep. right. right? As it happens, right? right? Uh, and then maybe you have a couple of inside one-on-one interviews that, that nobody else can see that you can only see on PBA.com. I think that's how you really blow it up, right? So you have your one guy, whoever it is that you bring in to be your lead reporter or lead guy right. or whatever else. They do all the, the interviews leading up to the, the beginning of the week. You can watch qualifying on Thursday and Friday or whatever leading up right there on PBA.com with a branch of PBA.com. Own everything in-house uh, and then take it from there going forward. Now, I would imagine if Tom Clark was sitting here, Tom Clark, the commissioner of the PBA Tour, would be like, you're a smart one. You're smart. Right. But how are we going to sell it? Mm-hmm. And, and see, that that really is the thing, right? So because you're going to have to have a payroll for paying the person that's that's doing this. You're going to have to have a payroll for whoever's doing the production side of it. You have to buy the equipment that goes along with it. Can you get enough sponsorship to sponsor all of that to justify doing that? And can you get enough memberships for the PBA website, whatever yeah. you're going to charge, to make it worth its while uh, as well? Well, it's just confusing because typically when they start off the season and they have one show on either Fox or FS1, normally most bowlers are expecting to then see all the tournaments on, on a TV. TV TV type of final. So my question, I'm confused by it too. My question for Phil is, is this like a collaboration between USBC and the PBA? Well, last for- year when the flow bowling contract ended, PBA took over their production for a few events. I was basically the crew in Portland, Maine uh, around the 4th of July when we did the PBA league qualifying. I had some help from some of the PBA, other people within the PBA. And then they did four what they called super regionals. They used to be titles on the tour, like Coldwater, Ohio, and Jonesboro, Arkansas. Sure. And they did those four, and they did the finals all live on YouTube as well. And the, the basis was there uh, to keep this going. You'd have to ask Tom Clark. I'm just assuming it's the, the paycheck that's coming in from USBC for Bull TV. The guaranteed money is what's really offsetting Probably. Uh, what, the PBA, what the PBA could do. I mean, if you know you're going to get this much money for doing it, you have zero headache it'd be kind of dumb not to. Right. No, <laughs> you know, it's I the same thing said. with flow bowling. Flow bowling is giving them, you know, whatever, a half million a year or whatever that just for the rights and flow took care of everything else. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a hard call for Tom. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I guess that, I mean, that makes sense, right? It's all about the money and all about the financial side of things uh, at the end of the day. No, no question uh, about that. All right. So let's start off uh, and talk about the uh, PBA Springfield classic. Uh, and those of you that watch, and I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't sit down and watch this thing. I, I did not. I'm not one of them. Uh, but Fred, uh, Francois Lavoie, uh, 233 to 119 uh, over Jacob Butcher. And uh, again, we're going to talk about unique styles and that whole thing uh, right. coming up a little bit uh, later in the show. And Butcher definitely is one. I swear Another to God, one. Yes. I, I hurt every time he throws the ball. I, I feel like something's <laughs> going to break on my body There's just by watching no him. no bones in his wrist. It can't be. Right. It's insane how he does it for, he's done it forever. Right. And it's funny. Cause like, if you watch youth league bowling and stuff, uh, everybody's got their own little style or whatever the case may be. And then a lot of times coaches are trying to get everybody into how they want them to do it. Right. The correct way. But you see a lot of these dudes coming up with their own way of doing things and it works the way. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I kind of can relate. Um, all my life I was taught as a bowler to cup your wrist, cup your wrist, get revolutions, turn on the ball. But my other love in the sport was golf. I, my other uh, love, sure. you know, and now I, you know, I'm, I can't do it anymore because of bad back, but I took many lessons and my coach kept saying, you got to leg your hands. You got to leg your hands. And I would have to look at him. I go, I can't. I'm so <laughs> used my whole life yep. of cupping my wrist for bowling. So I can't make my wrist go back the other direction. I don't know how he does it. 
I have no idea how he yeah, does it. He's yeah. hyper flexible. He, it's amazing to see in person when he can touch his fingers to his to his wrist and that type of thing. What? It's it's yeah. He can cup his hand in and then touch his fingers to his wrist. It's insane. Uh, or to his forearm. No yeah. way. Really? <laughs> hyper flexible. Uh, no. So all right. So he gets to the next match. Gets Sam Cooley. Uh, and he loses that one 237 to 229, Phil. That was a, a high-score match. Well, it looked like Cooley was dead in the water after seven frames. I mean, here's Buttruff. He's he's struck in all but one frame through the first seven. Cooley's going Dutch. He can't figure out one of the lanes, and all of a sudden, oh, here's the ninth frame open out of Buttruff, and Cooley polished it off. Buttruff still had a chance in the 10th frame, went high for a 2-4, and it was, it was Cooley on to the finals. Just crazy. And how were the lane conditions, Phil? Because right. you were watching it uh, as it was going on. What were the lane conditions like? That was the wolf, right? Was it? Weren't they blowing on the wolf? 34-foot wolf, so you got 26 feet of dry. Lots of urethane in play during the week, so the urethane right. haters you know, weren't too keen about watching it. But the, they, they, needed, they needed the control. But as usually happens during PBA tournaments, the cleaner the back ends get as a multiple applications of a pattern, the pattern starts to play tighter. So you can see some of the guys – as the week went on, all of a sudden the line started closing, and instead of pitching it all the way to the gutter, they were only pitching it to like seventh or eighth board oh, and getting yeah. that control back to the pocket. So it's interesting yeah. to see, even though it's the same condition being applied by the machine, because friction's key on the back end. If if there's no dust and dirt to help generate more friction, if those back ends are nice and clean, they get to, they play tighter as the week goes on. Yeah, I was expecting uh, with thirty four feet, the first thing that goes through your mind is urethane and. I watched a video on a, a PTQ, um, and I, a, I couldn't believe how many guys I recognized that were there. There were a couple of 300s. Uh, Knowles had a 300, and then uh, Frank Snodgrass had a 300 uh, in the PTQ. But, but that I was mean, a different all... lane pattern, too, for the PTQ. They bowled on Viper for the PTQ. That way, they don't want the guys that bowl the PTQ to get any extra info or any extra advantage. Wow. Okay. On the tournament. So all the PTQs this year are on different patterns than what the players are bowling on in the main tournament, By which design. I think is a good thing. By design, right? By design, yes. Right. So they don't they don't get they play on something close, but it's not the same thing. Like this week, the players are going to be on bear for the main tournament in Shawnee, but they're on a different pattern for the PTQ. Got it. So, but even with that said, I it was I couldn't believe how many two handers I saw in the PTQ. I mean, the video that was shown it was almost that they outnumbered the uh, guys that use their thumb. Pretty, close. Uh, pretty darn close to it. Right. Um, so a, a, a lot of guys out there, they're trying to make their name. And they, again, we talk about speed and revs, but I couldn't also believe the amount of urethane. I, I saw maybe one or two resin balls going and down the lane. Yeah. And along the lines of the PTQs too, they are brutally tough to get out of this year. I mean, there were 50 some guys in that PTQ for 12 spots in the main tournament. And it's going to be the same way in Shawnee. It's going to be the same thing in Wichita. There's a lot of guys trying to break into the top 50 in, in tour points so they get the exemption for next year. And there's a lot of guys that are committing a lot of money to bowling those pre-tournament qualifiers so, this year just to get into the main tournament to try to get in the top 50 and not have to do that again next year. So, that so okay, let, let's just rewind this for a second. All right. So let's say you've never had your PBA card. So you're clearly not in the top 50. You're outside the top 50. What's the process like to get your PBA card? Uh, average 200 for a couple of years, pay your membership fee and you can be a PBA professional. So then what's the except, what's the big deal about getting the exception for the top 50 then? You don't have to bowl PTQs. You're not guaranteed a check, but that's one less thing. It's one less thing you have to deal with. Yeah, you know, you have a much shorter yeah. chance to get, you know, much shorter path to the finals than these guys bowling PTQs. And if you don't get out of a PTQ, the way the points list work, you're not getting a lot of points and it's hard for you to generate enough points to get into the top 50 for next year because you automatically get in the tournaments. You pay your entry fee, 
if you're in the top 50 in points, that next year you're automatically in every tournament without having a bowl PTQ. Right. So it takes away the stress of, if I, am I going to be there or am I not going to be there? Right. And it takes away a lot of expenses too, because you're traveling. Hey, if you're traveling to Shawnee, Oklahoma this week and you're bowling the PTQ and you're out, you're That's paying the, whatever, the, yeah. two, the $300, $250, $300 entry fee, plus your hotel, plus your gas, plus your food, everything else. And yeah. And also, oh, your week's done. And now you got to wait a week till you bowl again in Wichita. Yeah. That's, hey, uh, that can, just, that can get a little tough. Yeah. Tough way to make a living. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. The grind again, they keep talking about the grind on the tour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's nice with these videos or, or the coverage is, I mean, you kind of feel sorry for the, the majority of these guys that don't get a check. And just like what Phil was talking about, it's an expensive way of life. If you don't break through. Yeah. You either have to a, have some pretty good. You got a lot of yeah. these guys that are married with kids or whatever the case may be. I mean, you got to have a saint for a wife. Uh, in to order to, to deal with all this. Yeah. I mean, if you're a single dude out of college and you don't got all that, that's one thing, but yep. it's completely different if if you've got a family. Well, a prime example of that right now is Ryan Simonelli. Simonelli in 2019 said he was done. He was retiring. Yes. He couldn't take it anymore. The, the conditions on tour weren't favorable for his game. It was a lot of frustration for him. And he went back to, to, to construction and his wife's uh, a psychologist and they made a relocation. Uh, to South Carolina, and she has a really good position, and it's enough to keep the family stable. And she said, "You need to go back and live your dream." They talked it over, and now he's back out on tour full time. If it wasn't for her or that situation, he'd be bowling part time in regionals and, and and laying bricks because the pressure is so much different when you know you have to feed your family. Correct, right? And he's totally similarly he hasn't been bowling great on tour. You haven't you've seen him in PBA league, and that's about it. He hasn't made many step players since he came back, but. He's going to, I think he's going to break through this year. I really do. He's got that lack of pressure on him. He, he can enjoy what he's out there doing as compared yeah. to, I need to feed my family. Right. right. And that's the thing, right? Well, yeah. a lot of guys don't have any other life. I mean, if you're on the tour, that's your only life. Um, they, they don't have something else they can fall back on if it doesn't right. work out through. Right. And again, uh, going through uh, all the PT with my back in 2016, my PT and I were always talking about Tiger Woods and his trying yep. to his comeback um, and, and all the surgeries going through because I, I made a comment to him. He doesn't probably have any other life. That's the only life he knows is in, on the inside of the ropes. Yep. Well, he had another life. We thought out about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was just playing golf. Boy. Yes. He was just playing golf, buddy. He, uh, he, he was. I don't know if I mean that kind of life. Yeah, <laughs> he he yeah. got himself busy, Dwight. Don't you worry. Uh, he was just, just only doing that. But, right. but, but, but I mean, again, but that that's kind of um, kind of what it is, right? So yeah. I, I say this all the time, and it probably uh, is wrong to say, maybe. I don't know. But, like, I always tell my kids, like, Cause I got a sophomore and a senior. It's like, listen here, you, you go get somebody pregnant and you got a kid, you can kiss whatever dreams you had <laughs> yeah. going forward. Yeah. If you had dreams of playing college baseball yeah. or whatever the case may be like that will quickly change everything because now you're going to have to put food on the table yep. and take right. care of that kid and take care of your girl and that whole deal. Yeah. yeah she's going to get a job. She'll have a career too, whatever, but it's still going to be on you. And it's no different when you're talking about this, it's probably even more difficult when you're talking about trying to get in and get going in baseball, if you get drafted, oh, yeah. you go to the minors, but they yeah. don't make any money. No. Um, yeah. So that's still a struggle, yeah. but but still you're with the team. They take care of transportation to and from all yeah. that stuff here. You're taking care of your own transportation. You're driving across the country more than likely because airfare is too expensive. So you're driving across the yeah. country. You're paying for gas, wear and tear on your car, all the miles on your car, 
food, hotel, entry fees, like you're saying, Phil, like that would be something I'd be interested in finding out right. from like um, one of these guys that's doing it. Like, if, have you ever sat down and said, okay, how much money am I really spending by paying entry fee for every tournament? How much gas am I spending week to week for yeah. all of this? And then hotels and everything else. I would love to know what that number is. And then if you're actually making that number or are a lot of these guys losing money doing this every yeah. year? I think there's quite a few guys that if they didn't have backers, whether it was family, friends, businessmen that they know, that type of thing, I think there'd be a lot of guys that would not be doing this because they wouldn't be able to make enough money to cover these expenses if they have five or six bad weeks. I mean, there's a lot of guys this week. They're in Shawnee. If they have a bad week in Shawnee, they're going to drive all the way to Louisville, Kentucky for for an amateur tournament called the Bradley to try to make money there. First place is like ten grand, and then they're all going to hustle back to Wichita to bowl the next pro, the next PTQ there because here's another chance to make money. Let's go there. So that's more travel expense, everything else, and then they're going to go back and and, and do another P, PBA PTQ in Wichita. It, it's kind of it's kind of a controlled insanity these guys yes. have to, to want to live the dream. I don't know how they do it. Controlled insanity. That's a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So the championship uh, won in this PBA Springfield uh, Classic, 223 to 217. Sam Cooley over Kevin Williams. How close was this one, Phil? Tenth frame. Cooley had to step up and mark after Williams struck out the tenth. The home crowd behind Williams the whole time. He's from Springfield. He's grown up inside of Enterprise Park Lanes and it came down to Cooley stepping up, needing the mark. He, he had a great shot, wrapped the ten pin, and calmly took his time, made the ten pin, and then uh, got the fill ball, and, and and there was your winner right there. And he had an interesting comment at the end, and I know Dwight was talking We're gonna get about into it that coming too, up, yeah, that a little bit, but yeah, interesting comment at the end, and and you know, Sam's a pretty quiet guy, but don't poke the bear, man. Mm-hmm. Don't don't poke the bear. Don't poke that the was bear. his quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law all right, let's uh, move on to uh, the next topic, and that is Sam Cooley's comments about home field advantage, Dwight. Yeah, uh, I I kind of been there. Um, I could re- relate with this, but uh, that's my take on everything, and I thought it would be a good discussion, especially with Phil. He sees it a lot more than me or the fans at home is how many times do these guys go into a hostile environment, him being the outsider from Australia. Um, so um, I... I what I know did Cooley you, you, say? Just don't poke the bear. That was his comment after the game or whatever. After no, the after, after he won, this is my house now. Oh, he so said it's very it. similar to what Rogers said to the fans at at the Bears game last you. year. Yeah. Right, I own you. Yeah. So it, it's the same thing. But I was at a tournament once. I'm not going to mention who I bowled against. Right. And um, while his uncle was in my ear uh, screaming every shot every time he got a strike. Now, as a competitor, you have to I know try to block that out. But after a while. Um, I mean, you uh, just like Sam, uh, comments was you feel defeated, you know, because you got the home crowd against you sure. and the only thing you can do is you know, do your talking with your bowling ball, yeah. but after you're it's over. Yeah. You release all that anger and hostility, um, cause now you have won your match or have moved on. And it, it's very difficult when you're on the other side of it, where you have that 
big crowd that are behind your opponent home field advantage. And it's so rare nowadays for that to happen on the PBA tour where there's somebody it's actually their home center. You get that a lot at the regional level. Like back last October, I covered a regional in Bluffton, Indiana, EJ and Zach Tackett's home center. Sure. And Zach and EJ both made the step finals. EJ won it. And it's not, it's not easy to win at home. You might know how every lane in that place plays, but if you don't execute that week, you're going to, it's it's gonna look like you're you know you're renting an Airbnb that week instead of being in your own house. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Williams came through with that extra pressure and he got to the number one seed in the step ladder. And when he won the position round match against Cooley, it was you know everybody's he's you know this is my house and everybody's screaming at him this is your you know all the fans this is your house that type of thing. And Sam just built on that and he did it quietly. Nobody knew he was. So Williams do. was running his mouth during well this? the fans. Well the fans are just this is your house you know. But he and, wasn't and saying this is my house was he? I didn't catch it if he did in position round. It's with the microphones sometimes, you know, the ambient mics during. Well, you would have heard it. I'm like, if he would have thrown a strike, I turned around and said, this is my house. And started pounding his chest. Yeah. I mean, obviously you would have seen it and heard that if he said that. So he wasn't doing it necessarily. It was more the crowd. Yeah. It was more the crowd feeding into him on that. Yeah. I mean, he did it. He did. I think it was one time, but it wasn't right in somebody's face or anything like that. You just kind of heard this is my house, you know, coming back off the line. No different than, you know, I, you know, I, I, I I buried this in the pocket or something like that. You know, it's just some comment he made while well, I come back off a shot. But the crowd was, this is your house, this is your house type of thing. The other thing is he's he's young. You know, I mean, uh, when you're young and you're out on the tour and you're in that position, uh, you're going to be a little bit more excitable. You're, I mean, the adrenaline- but if I'm the PBA yep. tour, I want it. Like, yes. go uh, ahead. Say what you got to right say. Yeah. I don't mind having a rivalry. I don't care if these two don't like each other and it, it's going right. to be a thing now going forward, providing they both end up on TV together. But I mean, right. that that's what you want. That's what that whole Belmonte rash thing was. You, right. you want more of that in the sport and you can't Absolutely. manufacture it. You can't make it up. It can't be WWE style. It's gotta be something that just happens. Genuine. And then it, it goes, it yeah. goes to yeah. that level where you have a true rivalry of dudes that don't like each well, it's other. It's definitely going to create buzz in the crowd. That's yeah. for sure. Well, and the funniest, yeah, and the crowd didn't hold it against them. Funniest part is Sam gets done winning. They get the handshake with Kevin. Goes down. You got, you know, you got to talk to the ball reps once you're done. You know, Sam went down and talked to his ball reps really quick. Came back to the crowd. And he started signing. He started signing autographs before they did the winners interview. <laughs> so it wasn't like fans in the crowd hated, you know, hated right. Sam for winning. It was just, yeah, it was just part of the whole thing. It's part of the whole event. Motions got to Sam as well as they could at that moment. He came through and did what he had to do at the moment. Yeah, good and stuff. All right, let's. Let's move on to the next topic, gambling and bowling. Now, we've talked about Fox Bet and all of that uh, and the PBA and, and so forth, but Bill Brylow stumbled across something else this weekend. Yeah, I was following Chase Kaufman's uh, timeline on Facebook, and he goes, hey, everybody, if you're in Michigan, you can bet on bowling today. I'm like, well, let me bring this up in my screen, even though I'm not in Michigan. During the last 12 games of the Springfield Classic, you could bet on whether a player made the stepladder finals one of the 12 left in the field, or if they were going to win the tournament altogether. Uh, I didn't see how the final odds ended up. He had some pictures on his timeline with it, but I thought it was pretty cool that you could actually, you know, wager early on in the event and just go, Hey, if I think, you know, Chris Vi is going to hold on to a stepladder spot, I can bet that he's going to make the stepladder. Would have been a losing bet, but it, it was neat how they did it, how they I just w- did, you know, it wasn't individual games or individual matches, that type of thing. It was right. You know, here's we got 12 games left. Is this guy going to make the step ladder? And is this guy going to win? It's going to be interesting to see how this works because Pottawatomie mm-hmm. has their sports book coming. Um, and it's not going to be done uh, this summer or anything. It'll be done probably by the end of the year uh, or whatever the case may be. It's going to take some time. They're taking the 
the Northern Lights Theater. Right. And that's going to be where the sports book uh, is going to be. Fire uh, The Fire Pit Sports Bar yep. Grill, that's gone too. Yep. Um, so all of that. It's going to be awesome. My sounds. Okay. So I wonder how that works, though. Like, so, because obviously you're going to have events in Milwaukee, right? That's right. that's clear as World day. Series having, is coming up in April. Right. They, they have a bunch. Now, it, it won't be done time for that. But going forward, like next year, right, when, when you come back, and if they have a couple events in Milwaukee again, is that a Tom Clark PBA going to Potawatomi and seeing if they can be put up, put up on the sports book, you know, for the stepladder uh, portion of the tournament or something like that and trying to get themselves up on that board? Um, does the PBA and that league have nothing to do with whether or not they get put up or not and nothing is said and we just wait and see if Potawatomi puts it up? See, because for me, it's going to be really new mm-hmm. by the time you get back to this next year. So by the time you get back to this next year, it's going to be really new, like a few months old or whatever else. So obviously Potawatomi is a, is a clear, easy deal to try to go get some sponsorship money from and so forth, promote the sports book uh, and do that hand in hand. I think if I'm the PBA and I don't know how it works. I've never ran a sports book, but yeah. if I'm, I'm on the PBA, I'm reaching out. I'm like, Hey, I, I'd love to have some type of, of connection here where we can get some of our stuff up uh, on your sports book when we're in town. And don't, you don't have to have it up the rest of the year, but when we're in Milwaukee, it would be a great little tie in where people could go to Potawatomi, bet whatever was going to happen, you know, uh, who's going to make the step ladder or however you want to do it. Right. Right. Uh, and then go watch it at Bolero or wherever the event is being held. Well, I, I think bowlers like to gamble. Number one, um, number you two, think, yeah, you think bowlers right. gamble. I didn't know that. Right. Huh. Uh, and then number two, I mean, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, but you know, every show uh, there's always before the match starts, there's either a minus 100 plus 150 on every match. Now, is that actually our, is there gambling involved in that or is that just for entertainment purposes only? No, there's states with Foxbet where they're a legal sports book on an app where you can go ahead. I know Phil, I know uh, guys that live in Pennsylvania that can bet on Foxbet. And they can go on the app and they can bet whatever it takes, you know, whatever they want. It's not big limit. It's not big limits. I think it's maybe a hundred dollars. It's not or five hundred dollars. It's not huge limits they have on, uh, on the gambling for bowling, uh, but they can bet legally on there. I think with Fox controlling it right now, I think a lot of the other sports books that are out there are just kind of doing the wait and see game with how much action are they really getting? Could is it worth our time if we start right. doing this? Right. Are we gonna? Because it's basically is are you gonna get enough people to bet to make this happen and go on. It's going to be interesting to see this next week from Shawnee, uh, whether this, whether this tribal sports book in, in Michigan does it again. I hope they do. I hope they had a good first week. I think that's part of the advantage of it too, is that you don't have to physically go down like here. We would have to physically go to Pottawatomie here in Wisconsin and bet. But it we can't hurts have any... when the thing's not on TV. Like, so for me, well, that's so like true back too. in the day with NASCAR, right? Yeah. Before and now that you can't do this with bowling, but with NASCAR, you could go to Vegas and you would have a, I haven't been to Vegas now in a few years, but mm-hmm. you would have a, a list of odds, right? So right. it would be like Jeff Gordon versus Kyle Bush one-on-one. And then it would give you odds of who would finish better in the race. So you could literally pick winners of, it just, they just pick matchups, any two driver matchups, they put it up. Then you could bet, you know, winners of the race or whatever else. Tim Allen, who I used to do the uh, post game show with after Brewer games, always said that there should be, gambling for racing like there is for horse racing trifecta super factors boxing ones like you should be able to do the same thing with race car drivers as you do with horses or greyhounds uh racing at the track now because of the way this is set up there's no time 
to really bet in between a stepladder match. Because you go, you have a short commercial break, you come back, and it starts. It's not like you get four to six hours in between to go bet the next one. You're not doing a stepladder where it's over five days, one match each day where you can go bet it. So it really has to be the way you said, Phil, how they did it, which is kind of pick who you think is going to be at the stepladder, pick the winner before you get to that point. Because once you're there, unless there's an app to where everybody watching can bet real quick on their app in between matches, right? There's no way to do it. I would think there'd be a cutoff point if that was possible. I mean, a, a time limit to where you could place your bet. Oh, yeah. As soon as the first ball gets thrown, they're going to shut down the bet. It's right. no different than when the dogs get dogs or the horses get to the post position. Here Correct. you go. They're in the gate. And bets are done. Yeah. Bets and are done. Yeah. And they stop. I worked at Dairyland Greyhound Park in Kenosha for seven and a half years calling Greyhound races. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly how it was. Once they got loaded in, it was all done. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And there's a countdown at the track too, you know, two minutes, yep. one minute, and yep. then that's it. They let you know, but there's no doubt about it. This is growing because I, I went home from work yesterday and was listening to the, of course, post Super Bowl uh, today, but I was listening to, um, the announcers on the radio show I was listening to, and there, there were so many breakdowns of what you could gamble on. They were even talking about what song Rihanna was going to start off with. Yep. That was a big bet. Yeah, I, I'm just. It's amazing to me how this is continuing to grow. You can you can bet with in games live before each play happens or before right. pitches happen, and the whole how many, deal in baseball. How many yards this guy was going to yeah. get? Right. Well, one of one of the things that Bolero is actually working on on an app that they have is they actually want to work on in states where it's legal where people could bet individual games. Like they want to bowl somebody that's in Delaware for one game for ten bucks, they can do it. And Bowler will take their cut out of it. And they're organizing tournaments. Lane Talk has done that with tournament bowling, not to the level where you can actually, you know, you still are just paying an entry fee. But they've done tournaments where it's been a random finish, too, where all of a sudden the last one with Lane Talk was, what's the total pins in the championship match at the U.S. Open? If you bowled that same score for two games in qualifiers, you could win prizes. So there's all kinds of ways that they're kind of skirting around the, the gambling aspect of things at the moment. But there's it's not just the pros that are going to be able to be involved in it. It's going to be you and I going in the bowling center. If we want to bowl somebody else in a, in a match, even though they're 500 miles away for 10 or 20 or 50 bucks, we'll be able to do it. That's wild. Yeah. I can't wait yeah. to see that come out from Valero. That's right. one of the things I'm actually looking forward to is how is that going to work? And, and how are they going to make sure, you know, if I'm here in Wisconsin, you know, legally, I can't, can I bet a pot game against somebody that's 500 miles away? Maybe, maybe not. Legally, you can't bet a pot game in the bowling center, but people are doing that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, realistically, right. the gambling that happens in bowling centers across this country is illegal, right? right. Uh, as can be, but nobody goes and enforces it. Everybody no. walks it. Oh, you're all uh, you're all getting ticketed for gambling. Like that doesn't happen. I've heard. Everybody I've heard of. I, I've heard of leagues get because they were doing 50-50 raffles and that. I've heard because they're not charitable organizations. I've heard of leagues get in trouble for that. That I could see, or, but yeah. I'm just saying everybody throws oh, in yeah. a couple of bucks in a right. card game or right. whatever, and you're drawing cards after marks or whatever. Yeah. Always right. getting nailed for that. The 50-50 right. thing, obviously. Right. Yeah. Yes. My only question for Phil again, and, and he probably will have the answer for it, is I don't know, is how much does the PBA get a kickback uh, from this if there is like a Fox a sports bet? Does, I, I mean, does with Fox bet, probably not. It's probably just part of the whole package. They're they're getting the you know, they're getting paid the rights money already. So Fox okay. can do something on top of it. You know, I don't see any casino that gets rights money from anybody on any sport. I it's think just, it's a good it's question. Yeah. It's a good question because these pro teams are going to get a cut of this gambling that they're going to be doing. So like right yeah. now, there's a sports book, I believe, inside the United Center 
where even when the Bulls aren't playing or whatever else, you go to the sports book, you gamble. Well, guess what? They're taking a cut uh, of that money at the end of the day. And all of these stadiums are going to have it. Wrigley will have it. American Family Field eventually have it. When Wisconsin gets gambling, they're all going to have it. And that's all additional revenue, right. millions and millions of dollars that they're going to be able to make, which also means these players are going to make even more money than they're making now. All you people that think, oh, my God, I can't believe they're making $50 million a year. You just wait. Wait till gambling's legal in all the states and all of these places have casinos essentially or sports books inside of them and they're generating even more money, then yep. it's really gonna get, go to a crazy another level. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait to see if Potawatomi does do something when the pros are in town. Um, I would probably throw a little bit of money in there too. Well, sure. A lot of people <laughs> would <laughs> pick the winner of the show. Right. No. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of people would. And again, you're gonna have an advantage if you're going and watching practice all week. Right. If you're there on Thursday and you're there on Friday and watching all of this. Go down to the casino Friday night, night and go make your bets, right? It makes yeah. all the sense in the world. So it'll be interesting. I, I, like I said, I don't know how that all works. I don't know if that's a casino decision where it doesn't matter if Tom goes down there to talk to him or not or whether or not. If it was me right now, right. knowing they just announced that this thing is going to get going yes, again, right? if I'm the PBA, I'm already talking to him. Yeah, no brainer. Like, let's let's work together here. Let's get you some sponsorship deals. We want to be up on, uh, up on the sports book. We'd like, you know, a show to be on our Sunday shows to be on or something. I don't know. Figure yeah. it out uh, and see if you can get involved. Uh, all right. Next up, bowlers with unique styles. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't have picked a better tournament to come up with with bowlers with unique styles. What? Yeah. I mean, and Sam Cooley, um, first thing I think of, you know, and I thought of Phil right away, the the fifth most uh, popular Australian bowler. <laughs> I thought of Phil right away when he won. All right. <laughs> right. Yeah, from yeah, a yeah, couple yeah. weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. But um his loopy arm swing, Phil, you know, I mean, we talked about Belmo at five years old being told, no, you can't bowl two handed, but I would have to assume guys with unique styles like uh, Sam Cooley and then uh, Brandon Novak and yeah. uh, Tim Cagle. I mean, um, some of these guys that are starting to break through and their unique styles. I wonder how many people came up to Sam and said, well, you can't have that type of loopy arm swing. Well, look, look at EJ last week when we talked to him on air, you know, who's his coach? It's not My some dad, hot shot from, yeah. you know, it's not a, a Mark Baker. It's his dad. Right. I mean, he trusts his dad. And that's where you got to find a lot of these players that have coaches that have these unique styles. They find the coaches that work with their style. They don't try to bust the mold. I mean, they're their own mold as it is, and nobody else is going to be able to fit into it. And they just work with them, and they make them better that way. There's enough of them out there. Even a guy that may not have a huge unique style like Anthony Lavery Spire, He's got such a quick shuffle stuff and such a quick mm -hmm. pull through on the ball that it takes a unique look at him and a coaching eye in order to help him keep getting better and improving. And now he's gone from a player outside the top 15 points to a player that's consistently inside the top 15 points. He's only made a step ladder or two, but he keeps doing well and he keeps getting better. Mm -hmm. And it's the coaching that he gets because they don't try to, to, to change too much on him. What uh, would you, if you were a coach, what would you, how would you coach Tim Cagle? I keep bringing up because he has probably the most unique style out there, even though he's more regional. What does it look like, Dwight? For those that have never seen Tim Cagle, he <laughs> shoves the ball out into the lane, kind of runs to the line, shoves the ball out into the lane from chest high. There's no back so It's like swing. a chest pass? It's like a chest pass. Chest pass. His left wow. hand's on the bottom of the ball, his right hand's on top of the ball, and it and he just he like spins it. it. And he, yeah, it kind of spins off his hands. And the thing that he's I been can't very get successful over, at the regional the level. Right with it? Oh, hi. But I, really? I the first thing that goes yeah. through my mind is how is he generating any ball speed? Because there's no arc to the swing. It has to, of course, be his feet. Yeah, it's all it's all the it's all the speed to get to the foul line and then the muscles on just pushing it up. So I mean, essentially try pushing he's a almost like running to the foul line. Right. Then? 
Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to have Dwight show you some video of Tim. I'm gonna look it up right studio. now while yeah, we're you, talking. You definitely yeah. gotta Google it. But we had a young man come into the shop, and of course, I always try to like to watch the people bowl before suggesting the ball. And I called Field right away after this, and I said, "You gotta get hold of Tim Cagle." I said, "I gotta find out how Tim has his bowling balls laid out." I said, "Because this." young man is tim giggles long lost son really identical style and how many times are you going to see that you know never hardly ever you know so yeah uh bobby campanell is uh, a big regional player he used to be a pba regional (laughs) member and he's got a similar two-handed style that you kind of look at him and you go there's no way that guy scores he just won twenty five thousand dollars in a big amateur tournament in vegas yesterday yeah you watch this guy bowl and you just go no way so he's essentially throwing a backup ball because well, he can I'm, do it I'm both ways. On, I'm looking at this on YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah, he can, he can throw a backup. He he's essentially taking his right hand underneath, and th- he's throwing it from the left side, and he's yeah. essentially throwing a huge backup ball because he's right. twisting his right wrist to almost yeah. be like a backup ball. Yeah. yeah, I would love to see what the PBA players all thought when he threw that first ball, and they all saw him. They had to be like. What the hell is this? That's the thing I was just going to say. When Belmo first came out on the scene and started the two-handed bowling, I think we all were thinking the same thing. Now everyone's doing it. You know, now it's become commonplace. I I don't think that there's any shock anymore of uh, two-handed bowling just because the success that he has created in the sport. Everyone's now, well, that's what we have to do to, to win. I guess we'll make our bodies do it. Well, look at what we have with Anthony Simonson. I mean, he's easily one of the top five players in the world. Right. Sure. And he's won PBA titles from both sides of the lane. Right. Throwing a back. I called it in Delaware back in the day on extra frame where the last few games of match play, Simonson went to a backup ball, shot 300 one game. And it wasn't with different equipment either. He used the same ball. You know, you think about that with how powerful these bowling balls are. And a guy like Dwight has to sit there and drill it out to make sure you get the proper look in rotation and it doesn't go over the finger of thumb holes all right now think about that when you're totally changing your ball roll going with an opposite hand right yeah when this kid comes in i was like looked at his mom like how am i going to drill this right i have no idea how i'm going to drill this phil help you know oh my (laughs) god right get hold of tim for me (laughs) that is wild but just goes to show the pins have no idea how you let the ball go has anybody asked this dude like how did this all start I never had a chance to sit down with Tim. There's YouTube videos on him because I just looked it up. I haven't watched him other than I was just watching one here while we were recording to see what it looked like. No, I've never asked him. I've seen Tim. I I covered a regional with Flow Bowling back in 2018 that Tim was at, and he made the step ladder finals, but I never had a chance to ask him because he had to get out of the the center right away when he was done about how he started and developed that way. That's crazy. Took a bunch of video and put it out there, and yeah, it's pretty neat. One of the craziest videos I ever saw, and 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 everyone's going to say, oh, he was conventional, he was conventional, was Walter Ray Williams Jr. As a coach, you would never teach your student to bowl like Walter Ray Williams Jr. Then I watched a video of him shooting, throwing horseshoes. It's an identical form. Right. So he just, he just used one for the other. Right. And perfecting is imperfection. Yeah. Correct. It's just that yeah. constant repetitive motion. He is Dwight Albrecht. Of course, Phil Bryle will follow them on Twitter. Phil at Bruce City Bowling. Dwight at Dewey 300. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Another edition of the Spare Time Bowling Show. Let's do it all over again next week. Again, record on Mondays and then normally post uh, on Monday nights uh, as well. And then, of course, Tuesday morning will definitely all be there for sure. Have a good one. Toodles. 